everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, CEO and founder of the Positivity Institute. Welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series two, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those who forged forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to POSED pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks, speaking with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. My hope is that you're inspired and motivated to consider positive education for your school. The podcast series is generously sponsored by Perth College, who will also be hosting the Flourish 2019 conference this October in Western Australia. And we hope to see you there. Rhiannon McGee is the Head of Positive Education at Geelong Grammar School, otherwise known as The Hope, leading the school's wellbeing program across four campuses. Rhiannon also leads the Faculty of Movement, Wellbeing and Behavioural Sciences, incorporating positive education, psychology, health and physical education. In the past 10 years, Rhiannon has held a range of leadership roles in the area of student wellbeing most recently as the Director of Wellbeing and Positive Education at Loretto Mandeville Hall. Rhiannon is passionate about the promotion of community wellbeing and furthering the field of positive education. Rhiannon has completed the Masters of Education in Student Wellbeing, the Professional Certificate in Positive Education and the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne. Rhiannon is also an English teacher with an interest in the contemplative traditions, the arts, music and travel. Welcome, Rhiannon. Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to have Rhiannon McGee from Geelong Grammar School joining us today. Uh, As many people will know, Geelong Grammar are known for being the first school in the world to do positive education. And um, when I say positive education, I mean strategic positive education. Mm. And they definitely have been the pioneers and the leaders in the field, not just in Australia, in the world. So I'm very, very excited to hear uh, a little bit about the journey, which I feel very privileged to have been in some very small way connected to from the very beginning as well. Um, but I know, Rhiannon, you've been at GGS for a couple of years now. Yeah. So very keen to hear, perhaps if we start with your own personal journey and, you know, what, what led you to this path? Yes. Yeah, so, um, gosh, I think I'm, I started teaching in 2004 and I began as an English teacher, um, but always had a very strong passion for mental health promotion, having been touched by mental illness in my family quite significantly. And then on my path, I uh, decided to undertake a Master's of Student Wellbeing and moved into pastoral care roles as a result of that and ended up at Loretto Turak, my previous school, where um, I, in the role of Director of Pastoral Care, started to read around positive psychology. And it just really resonated with me, I suppose, at passion for wellbeing promotion, but that strengths-based approach really was something that I felt um, on an individual level and a um, whole school level was really needed, I suppose, in the wellbeing space. And so I started to, I suppose, practice with a few different interventions, strengths interventions, gratitude interventions with students and staff through my role as Director of Pastoral Care, but it wasn't until our principal Susan Stevens really decided that the school would take a whole school approach, that there was the scope to do anything really significant. And I think around that time, Susie, you were on the journey because you were with uh, Loretto Kirribilli. And I remember we had a a leadership conference and you were speaking there and I was really excited by 
positive psychology and then Kim Bentz uh, and I undertook a, a certificate of positive education at Melbourne University, um, which really equipped us. We were pretty lost actually as to how we were going to bring positive education in because that was probably 2014 and I think there was still a lot of, a lot of ambiguity around how schools like Geelong Grammar had done it and how we could really embark on that kind of journey ourselves. Um, but with the certificate, we felt better equipped. We were connected to experts in the field like Michelle McQuaid, who um, really um, contributed to our approach. And Kim Bentz became the director of POSED at our school. And yeah, Loretta was a real success story. So I ended up taking positive education into my role and I became director of positive education and wellbeing. And that's when I engaged with you <laughs> again, Susie, and we started on a coaching approach, I suppose, really looking at how we could use coaching to complement our approach to POSED. And then an opportunity came up to come to Geelong Grammar. And as I say, I thought I'd come to the mothership where it all started <laughs> and um, challenge myself to really, I suppose, assimilate and acclimatise to the approach here and see if I could help uh, evolve POSED at Geelong Grammar School. So, yeah, that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to hear hearing more about your learnings from Loretta Turak and then, mm. uh, yeah, your learnings at Geelong Grammar. And as I mentioned, I've had a, a very early history with Geelong when mm. um, Matthew White uh, was the original Hope head of POSED. And uh, I invited him to, we had held the very first Positive Psychology in Schools conference at Sydney University back in 2009 and uh, I invited Matthew along to speak at the time. So, and in those days it was very much still, oh, is this a fad, you know, mm. and we've seen it just go from strength to strength and and I, you know, absolutely believe that Geelong have had a huge part to play in making that happen. So, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about Geelong's journey? I, I mean, most people may know a little bit of the history, but it'd be nice to hear it from you. Yeah, so we're in our 11th year of positive education wow. at Geelong Grammar. Yeah, so it's probably, when you think about it, Susie, that's the span of your journey, I suppose, from uh, Matthew White, who was the first hope, as you say. And look, I suppose Geelong Grammar will, you know, my colleagues will often say they were in the right place at the right time, uh, made a connection to Martin Seligman, had a real desire to look at what proactive approaches they could take to wellbeing within their own community. This was alongside the development of a centre for wellbeing at the school. Um, so they were very fortunate to receive some philanthropy, philanthropic support for the Hanbury Centre for Wellbeing. And the conversation around that was, well, there's no point just having a building. What are we going to do to really make sure that our focus is on community wellbeing to complement that that approach with a whole Hanbury Centre for Wellbeing. So Seligman uh, really was the first connection that people like Charlie Scudamore and Stephen Meek, our principal at the time, and our previous director of wellbeing, John Hendry, made a connection to him and really started to explore positive psychology and its potential. And they've got some beautiful stories as to, you know, those those first encounters where even Charlie was like, really? Is it just a fad? Yeah. You know, is it just a happyology? But no, they were convinced more and more that there was some real substance and some potential. And Martin Seligman and his family ended up spending six months on campus at Geelong Grammar School and really had an immersive experience, I suppose, in the school where they were able to provide some significant training along with some esteemed colleagues like Karen Rivich and mm. Barbara Fredrickson. And, you know, they really had the who's who there 
right at the beginning. It was a pretty amazing experience, wasn't it? And I yeah. I often quote some of our own workshops. I think if, if I have got it correct, it was like nine days of, of training yes. in, initially. And, you know, we do a three-day program, but you're still scratching the surface, particularly oh. when you can do a master's in applied positive yeah. psychology. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's wonderful to work with people who were there for those nine days. Or I, I encounter people, other educators from other schools who were uh, invited along because the invitation was um, extended to other schools and other educators from different sectors as well. So yeah, it was this just perfect storm, I suppose. And from there, equipped with this new knowledge, I suppose, new understanding around well-being and the potential for this strength-based approach. You know, moving away from a deficit model, then then the school was really um, charged with identifying the best way forward and. My colleagues will say they got a lot wrong, you know, in those first few years being pioneers, but what they did get right was that real depth of professional learning for staff. And then from that, the approach emerged, their curriculum was developed, POSED started to be taught as an explicit subject in one year level, year 10, I think it started, and then it grew and the learn, live, teach, embed model really, um, which has come from the first five or six years of experience, I think, was that organic approach, which now mm. has become more of a model where we say that this is the best way to make POSED come to life, yes. um, learning, living, teaching, embedding. But Yes. Yeah. And I remember when that article by our colleague, the gorgeous Jackie Norrish yes. and team was published. Um, and it, for me, it was like, yes, this is the approach we're taking. So mm. as you probably know, my journey began around the same time, but I was doing uh, mainly research on coaching in schools at the time. Mm. So we sort of came in at the same time, but I, it was a slightly different approach. But it was always for me that learn it, live it definitely before mm. teaching it in bed. And that's just become so now known, hasn't it, uh, as a key approach in implementing positive education. It's really helpful. And I think when Kim and I were starting out at Loretto, I think we learned about different change levers and we understood, you know, for us, we really wanted to develop a subject. But I think it's that uh, staff professional learning, which was also provided that I learnt is integral, I suppose, to that living at peace. And, and it's through that that you really cultivate champions, the one, the, the staff members that you really need to engage to bring POSED to life, to make it happen, because you need some grunt work, I suppose, staff who are, who are willing to do the grunt work, work at the beginning. And unless they're really benefiting from those principles and practices um, in their own life, then you don't have that. So when I, when I, learnt of the Geelong Grammar Learn, Live, Teach in Bed, I think just after my experience, it really resonated with me. And in everything I do now in my role, I bring it back to those four processes. So Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess um, you really, Geelong was really pioneering and we've mm. all benefited from those learnings about, mm. you know, what worked, what didn't work. And But as you know, even today, it can vary from school to school, depending on the ethos and depending, you know, what's already working. And yeah. um, so it is quite bespoke. And I think that's the power in positive education is it's not a program, you know, that sits exactly. on the shelf. It really is, it, well, for me, it is a cultural change and it is about yeah. embedding it into everyday life. And I think that's the only way it can work. And I, and I am very, I suppose, strong when I'm speaking to other educators about and other leaders in particular in schools about the fact that you absolutely need to consider the school context you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, because there's already a lot of good happening in schools around well-being, social, emotional learning, 
faith traditions and all of these elements need to be considered when you are developing your school's approach to well-being. Every context is different. Absolutely. And the other thing I remember in the early days was there was a lot of requests from the schools we were working with around, well, how do you actually embed this into Mm. into subjects and into, you know, curriculum, maths and science? And I always, you know, I recall saying I'd suggest that Geelong Grammar are the leaders in that space as well. And um, I'm probably jumping ahead a little here now, but did I just see that you've just formally launched a POSED curriculum? Yeah, so in the last 10, 11 years now of positive education, obviously our Institute of Positive Education has emerged and that's been the result of a great deal of interest in the Geelong Grammar School story and a need, I suppose, to provide opportunities for for teachers to engage in courses and so on um, to support that interest. But then it was really David and Justin, my colleagues now, director and associate director of our institute, their dream and vision was to have dedicated curriculum writers that could really draw on the best of what's evolved mm-hmm. organically, I suppose, in terms of POSED curriculum in the uh, last 11 years of POSED at Geelong Grammar, but also who had the time to do further research, further curriculum development and to develop a POSED curriculum that spanned early learning to year 12. And that's just been launched after two years of development. And yeah, it's very exciting. It's it's just a wonderful resource for schools because, you know, I certainly know early on in my journey, that was the biggest question. Mm. But what did Geelong Grammar teach? <laughs> what do we actually <laughs> teach? And we developed their own curriculum in my previous context. And you know, we're still working at improving things here because, you know, I think the most important message to those who are starting out on the journey is that, you know, no, as you said, it's not a program and we're very keen to communicate this to educators that there is this curriculum available, but positive education isn't a program. It's not this concrete fixed curriculum that you kind of just implementing your school and tick you've got positive education. You need to be mindful of your context. There's a lot of other elements that need to be in place like staff, professional learning, cultural considerations, I suppose. And then this curriculum is a wonderful resource to draw on, but will probably also be adapted and modified to suit the needs of the mm. school. But to even have that resource, we've made some significant progress. So Definitely. it's a big moment for the Institute. Definitely. Congratulations. And I just wanted to, you know, formally note, it was Justin Robinson that came in after Matthew White yes. initially. And then did David Bott hold that role as well and, until yes. the Institute was formally launched? So Justin Robertson was the second head of positive education, yep, directly after Matthew. And then he moved in, when the institute came into being, he became the director of the Institute of Positive Education and David was the new head of positive education and now he's moved into associate director role and that's when I came in. Wow, and look, we could possibly hold a podcast interview just with the institute, but could you just briefly give us a snapshot of what its aims are and what it's excited about right now as well? So much. I mean, there's been so much progress even in the two years that I've been at Geelong Grammar School, but the Institute identify their purpose and vision as helping schools to place wellbeing at the heart of education, and that's through the provision of professional learning, consultation, and now curriculum. And probably what's most exciting is just the um, extent of the reach of the Institute now where regional offices have been set up in Dubai and um, in Canada. Yeah, so. So that's really exciting. So I think there's a lot to celebrate in that regard because really with that core purpose of spreading positive education and helping schools on their own journey, I think that that reach as um, symbolised by the two regional offices being set up 
really shows it. There's been some significant wins, I think. Definitely. And it's not a fad. It's only growing, isn't it? I know. Globally. I guess I'm also keen around uh, your role, Rhiannon, and also your ongoing professional development. So you were very fortunate in those early days, as we said, to have that nine days. Obviously, people come and go. So I'm interested about your onboarding process now and your ongoing professional development for staff. So I think we're really lucky that professional learning is and posed professional learning is a priority. So, you know, sometimes you have to really fight for that in schools. And I think yeah. one of the observations I made when I came here that I was very lucky there was time set aside. So all of our um, new staff do undertake a three-day Discovering Positive Education course at the beginning of their time at the school. I t- undertook that as well. Yeah. And we have regular POSED for you sessions um, once right. a term, both teaching and operational staff, as we call our non-teaching staff, will engage with an hour-long session, um, wow. a more recent one focused on high-quality connections. Oh, um, and that's where the Institute really does engage with our staff and offers <sighs> offers that professional learning. Our staff can obviously also undertake discovering more positive education and the other courses on offer. I'm really thrilled that our POSED coordinator at Turak is um, undertaking the MAP. So I think there's professional learning to be provided to all staff, but I'm also really committed to ensuring that those champions, I suppose, as we call them, are engaging with, you know, the research base, the ever-evolving research base that informs positive education because, as you know, Susie, it's growing and it's changing and we need to be as rigorous as we can be. So when I was doing the MAP, that was really helpful, that what I was learning was directly enhancing our curriculum and, and still does, but it's also so wonderful to have a staff member engaging yeah. with what's out there now. So for me, as, as I suppose a head of POSED, it's ensuring that we have that base level of professional learning. And, and I think anyone in schools will know that just carving out that time is one of the biggest challenges. So we're lucky to have that as kind of an ongoing commitment. And then what opportunities can we provide those champions to evolve their learning but also um, contribute that back to the school? Fantastic. So I've got a couple of questions I think that come up again and again. One is, um, as I mentioned, you really were pioneering and uh, I guess the, the first group of students that were introduced to POSED and I think I mentioned to Charlie Scudamore Ooh. once that I had one come through St Paul's College at Sydney Uni where I ran oh. a certificate program for four years yeah. and he'd said to me, and I, and I pass this on to Charlie, that he didn't realise at the time what he was learning but now something like four years on when, when I was reintroducing it that he realised that he, he had learned it. He, it had impacted on him mm. in terms of how he was operating in his relationships but he hadn't made the linkage between yes. what he'd learned and how he was living but he also did say that it was wonderful to reconnect with it um, I guess as a an early adult mm. and to think about what it meant for him at this life stage as well and I think one of the concerns that often comes up is, is it sinking in? Is it Ooh. going to make a difference? Yes. And then there's all the questions around longitudinal research. Yes. And um, have you got any comments or stories around <laughs> students and um, what you've learnt through pioneering in that space? I think, you know, what you've just encapsulated, Susie, is just absolutely the experience for us at Geelong Grammar School that, like every other school, I mean, I my biggest question is how do we engage year 10s? How do we know it's working? How, you know... And it's not easy. It's never easy, I suppose, to get 100% engagement from students. And then you worry that if you're not getting that, then what does that mean for later? And 
But Charlie will always say, Rhiannon, you know, I've had so many students come back or write to me and say, you know, exactly what you've said, that, you know, I didn't kind of get it at the time, yeah. but now I'm just so grateful. And, you know, we had uh, last year as part of our 10-year anniversary celebrations, we had an evening which focused on the research that has come out of Geelong Grammar and the Institute. And again, we had a panel of current students and past students. And, and it's that's the message we get time and time again, that we are finding that we're using these skills and strategies, even if we didn't really see the relevance of them early on. Or, you know, there are students and past students who will say, oh, no, I don't know if I'm getting anything from this, but they're using the language of strengths. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they kind of don't even realise that it's actually absolutely a part of the way they view the world. And that, that's what you're aiming for, really, isn't it? So that it doesn't feel like something, it's just how things are done or how who we are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And one of our students on that panel, a Year 12 student who's lovely, and we have positive education leaders, and he's been a leader, and he said, but he can be quite critical and quite um, challenging. He got Seligman's ear on one of our other events last year and said, but, you know, the boys don't really like positive education. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can we just maybe don't tell Seligman that? But, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he did say, you know, because he'd come from a school in Thailand and he said he'd come at year 10 to Geelong Grammar and he said, before I came to Geelong Grammar and studied positive education, I knew the importance of positive relationships with other people. But he said, it wasn't until I studied positive education that I realised the importance of having a relationship with myself, yeah. you know, and it was just one of those moments where we're like, oh, Amazing. you know, it's because he's an articulate, insightful student. You don't always get that level of insightfulness at that age, yeah. so it was really helpful. Thank but, you know, I think students who are struggling that I've worked with have been the ones who have benefited most. Absolutely. And just, I mean, measurement is an issue that yeah. continues to come up. And um, uh, any thoughts or anything you can share with us around your journey in measurement? Yeah, I mean, look, it's really difficult. I've always, in all my um, time leading wellbeing, I've always ensured that there was some measure, I suppose, every year capturing, you know, where students were at in terms of wellbeing. And, you, and I think it's important to always ensure that you are trying to capture in various ways, um, not only the social emotional wellbeing of students, but also how they're responding to the programs that you are, are teaching. So if it's qualitative feedback, but also, you know, we're using the wellbeing profile or survey at the moment, so we'll use that every year. Great. We're lucky to have some extra support around research, and obviously there was a longitudinal study that Melbourne University ran yes. um, a few years ago. And that's that. that extra yep. level, I suppose. But at the very least, using something like the wellbeing profile every year, I would be recommending. And just really ensuring that's the basis of conversations with pastoral staff, those who are leading positive education key stakeholders in the school as to are we responding to the needs of students? What can we do in terms of our approach to positive or wellbeing um, to respond to these needs that are being identified? And I think for me at the moment, the wellbeing profile uh, captures a sense of what strengths knowledge in students and, and the areas that you really want to address in positive, but also identifies any concerns around mental health or mental ill health. So I think it's quite comprehensive. And I know we haven't got a lot of time left, but there's another pressing area, which you probably know, which is parents, which comes up mm. again and again. Any tips on in engaging parents? I just think it's kind of like with staff as well you and students, really. You've just yeah. got to keep chipping away yeah. and providing as many opportunities as you can. 
parent evenings, we have an insight series and we have challenges because we're a boarding school, but, mm. you know, we're looking at online options as well. Obviously through newsletters, we try and capture parents when they come in and drop their kids off at the beginning of um, year 10, for instance, and have a, a posed for you session for parents. Last year, Justin and I ran a a session for our grandparents, so oh, Grandparents' wow. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and we've run workshops for parents at our Toolrack campus last year on growth mindsets, strengths, knowledge, just, you know, key areas that will support that common language that you want in at home and at school. So, you know, we just, again, keep chipping away at it and providing opportunities and hope that as many take that opportunity up as possible. But also I think it's through those conversations that staff are having with parents around whether it's um, behavioural issues or academic issues, if that language of positive education is common, if staff have a really strong grounding in professional learning, I suppose, then hopefully uh, the POSED is coming through in those conversations as well. Yes. It's amazing. I had a corporate workshop a couple of weeks ago and I usually start off by talking about positive education and any of your children learning it and um, one of the men uh, sitting at the front of the room said, Susie, yes, it's very good timing because um, we actually had uh, my child who's in kindergarten come home and teach my wife and I about growth mindset last week. That's happening. <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So. We've got staff here at the school. And what I love is actually when we have new staff come along and they'll often send their kids to our um, primary campus in Geelong, um, Bostock, and they, I love seeing just how enraptured they are with what their children are coming home with from yeah. Bostock. And, I, look, I think in primary and early learning that's Absolutely. like the best time. They love it, don't they? Yeah. really open to it and um, yeah. it's the best time. And is there any story that sort of stands out? There's probably so mm. many. Yeah, look, for me I suppose it's from my previous context. This school I think there's an – I can just say that coming here the last two years it's very clear to me that POSED is in the water, you know. Yes. Um, so – it's a different experience here, but I think when you're starting out, you kind of have the, the, these more poignant moments, you know, when you start to see that POSED is taking effect. Um, and I actually, Susie, you're a part of this story because we had a student in my previous school who was had a difficult home life and uh, had a lot of contact with teachers, including myself in my pastoral role, and was very good, very resilient in a lot of ways in that she knew that reaching out to adults, you know, was really going to help her. And she became what we call like to call a POSED evangelist yes. <laughs> and um, was very enthused by POSED when it came in, so much so that when she was in year 11, her friends uh, put Martin Seligman on her locker with streamers because that was the <laughs> practice. And um, I remember sending you this email actually yeah. going, look. And, it's um, ringing and a you, bell. You said, yep. send it to Marty, which we did. <laughs> and... Um, Marty wrote back and he said, may I have her email address? Aww. And then he wrote to her and he Aww. said, your, your locker has made my evening. Oh, and, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then his email made her day, yeah. week, year. I mean, it's an she upward was spiral, isn't upward it? spiral. <laughs> it was beautiful. And then he said, keep me abreast of your life and how it goes. And, look, she's just gone from strength to strength and actually is doing brilliantly outside yeah. of school. But we, we brought her along to the PISA conference last year when we had it at Geelong Grammar and yeah. she met Marty. Yeah, and he he spoke about um, you know he was so taken by Dubai's Minister for Happiness. Yes. You know, he was said she's going to be the next Minister for Happiness. So look, I think for me it was just as I said before, for me it's those students that have really been more vulnerable, yeah. really deliberately using the tools around strengths and gratitude and 
in a very proactive way. But yeah, then it kind of became a bit of a funny story. What a great <laughs> so, story. Yeah. And just following on, I mentioned that I'd run the program at St Paul's and we'd had yeah. a, a previous Geelong student. Again, in a, in a recent corporate workshop, I had a St Paul's resident who was now uh-huh. full-time working in, in this position. And it was amazing. He was just so far ahead of everybody else, you know. Yeah, because yeah, he'd already been introduced to it and he had a lot to share. And so I think, you know, in workplaces are slowly, you know, finally yeah. catching up to what schools are doing. But yeah, to have your students going out into the work world and the workforce already mm. equipped, that's our ideal. Um, I think that is, you know, and it's so lovely to hear that, Susie, because, yeah. it, you know, you do get a bit bogged down sometimes by the is it working. And I know those who are in schools, when you're at the coalface, you kind of can question sometimes because you don't often get that feedback. So yeah. for me to hear that, it's kind of just puts a spring in my step and, you know, gives me motivation for Uh, tomorrow uh, and the next day. (laughs) Absolutely. So we're just about to wrap up, but if I was speaking to you in five years' time, Rhiannon, do you have any idea of um, where you think POSED or Geelong's POSED approach might be? Or Yeah, look, I think for me at Geelong Grammar and what I'm really seeing start to happen, and I don't think this is anything new, but I think we are really shifting from that focus on personal, individualised wellbeing to a really strong what are you going to do to contribute to the world? Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the natural next step. And for me, as my work in POSET has evolved, that's been more and more where I want the emphasis to be for our students. And, of course, as I say to our students, if you're not well, then you can't contribute to society in a meaningful way. So I think that we talk about flourishing as feeling good and doing good. So really that element, that service education element, I think is a really natural extension of positive education. So I suppose I'd really like to see our understanding evolve into something a bit more holistic. And I I was starting to see that at IPA as well. I think that's kind of where everyone's naturally heading. Yeah, Yeah, the the move to this collective flourishing, collective wellbeing. And Mm -hmm. and also I love um, Ash Cameron's approach to the benefit mindset, not just, yeah, so it all fits really beautifully, doesn't it? And I think it it also feeds back possibly to your Loretto tradition of which I consistently (laughs) quote Mary Ward, which is to go forth and set fire to the world. And and I mean, to be able to do that, you need to be flourishing to be out there doing that. So Exactly. So, you know, we want functioning members of society. We want to cultivate these individuals who can make a significant difference in the life of others. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, yes, that's my Catholic school background coming out. (laughs) Oh, we love it. I love it, uh, Rhiannon. Well, thank you. I wish I had more time to speak with you and perhaps we will into the future, but thank you so much for sharing um, your wisdom and the Geelong journey with us today. Absolute pleasure, Susie. Always love chatting to you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series two. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Perth College, who will also be the host of the upcoming Flourish 2019 conference in Perth on Saturday, the 26th of October. If you'd like to stay in the loop for all things POSED, be sure to join our Pioneers of Positive Education Facebook group or sign up for our free monthly Pi News. Thanks for listening and bye for now.